Welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Eric Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're answering the second part of Travis's question, which is all about servicing. So how do you build a portfolio as a property investor today and not get stuck by servicing? So I'm calling this one seriously stuck with servicing and we've got nine tactics that you can potentially use if you're really stuck and I'm not talking about things like credit cards or restructuring your debts all of those things that we would usually talk about these are nine ones we probably haven't talked about some are obvious some uh maybe you haven't thought of before so give us tactic number one Andrew so tactic number one Buy cheaper. So for every 100K that you knock off the purchase price because you look elsewhere or whatever, the amount that you have to earn goes down by 5.5K gross. And so if you go from 500K purchase price to a 400K purchase price, instead of earning 80,000 a year, you can earn $74,500. And of course, that's on the 33% tax bracket. So it can be even more of an impact and more of a reduction if you're on a lower tax bracket. And that's based on all of our usual assumptions, you know, like a 4.5% gross yield, a 5.8% servicing test rate, 75% rental shading, all of those usual things that we put in. Now, tactic number two, and you'll probably use some of these tactics together. Tactic number two is buy high yielding. So making it really simple again, for every 1% increase in yield you're able to get, so going from 4% to 5% or 45 to 5.5, that decreases the amount that you need to earn by 5.6k on that 33% tax bracket. So similar to the above, 80k goes down to 74.4k. But I mean, if you put them together, that's a total of about 11.1k that you'd potentially not have to earn as much. So if you're really stuck, you know, if you went from 500k down to 400k and you're able to get an increase in that gross yield. Now we're talking about some quite small areas in that case, but if you're seriously stuck with servicing, that might be something that you might consider. You could also think about tactic number three which is use a non-bank lender. So we've done podcasts on this with Resimac not so long ago. And one of the key quotes from those episodes from Luke Jackson was that they have a pragmatic approach, which is a nice way of saying they don't have set rules for, for us. And so because of that, we can't actually tell you exactly what the impact will be. But talking to someone like Peter Norris from Catalyst about how much extra you could borrow would be wise because chances are you're going to get more than you are with a bank. Okay, and tactic number four, now this might be a bit easier said than done, but is to pay down debt. So this may not apply to you, Travis, because we mentioned yesterday that you've already got a very low level of debt, but it's still worth discussing. Now, if you pay down 50 grand of debt aggressively, say over the next two years on your personal mortgage, that allows you to borrow not an extra 50k, but an extra 96k for investment. Now you might say, well, how is that the case, Ed? Well, the reason is because whenever you take out debt for your investment property, you're buying a more expensive house, you obviously get more rent associated with that. Now, that gets scaled down, it gets treated in some different ways by the banks, but it's still factored in. So if you pay down 50k of debt on your personal home, you're potentially borrowing almost twice as much for an investment property. Now, Andrew, walk us through tactic number five. Tactic number five, earn more money. So if you're on PAYE, for every 10K that you earn extra to what you do today, 
that's an extra $180,000 that you can borrow as an investment property, again, with those same assumptions. So if you haven't had a pay rise in a while, then justify your value to your firm and go and talk to your boss about maybe getting a pay rise. The other thing potentially you can do, which is a bit longer down the track, is start a business. We were talking in one of our training sessions last week with all of our team about you know when people find that they want to build a portfolio faster than possible or they want to live off their property portfolio sooner, that actually maybe they need to just go and start a business as well. And one of the staff reminded me, texted me and reminded me that I did tell her and her husband to start a business or an OnlyFans page. And hey, I, I realise as well that you might be thinking, oh, Ed, that's not a good tactic asking for a pay rise. I actually think it is. And I'll tell you why. I remember reading it in Hannah McQueen's personal finance book. You know, she's a money coach in New Zealand. And one of the best ways in order to be able to put yourself in a better financial position simply is to earn more. And I know, oh God, Ed, that's so much easier said than done. There was a great story in one of her books which talks about a woman who was working in, in a corporation, in an office job, who hadn't got a pay rise in a while, walked into the office of her boss, sat down and, you know, it had been two years since her last pay rise, walked out with a 10K pay rise. Now that might have been, I think it was about 7 or 8% of her earnings. So, you know, so two years at 3% potentially. And it is honestly the simplest way to put yourself in a better financial position is to have that tough conversation with your boss and ask for a little bit more money if you genuinely believe that you are worth it and you bring that value to the firm. Because it's hard to save yourself, Rich, but earning a little bit of extra money and putting that towards whatever it happens to be is going to be a really a way that you really can accelerate your way into buying your next property. Or you can just take the Ed approach and just ask every single week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, Andrew, I think that, uh, to be honest, I think I've bled you enough for at least the next (laughs) two years. (laughs) Number six, tactic number six is earn more by using a border. Now, let's say that you are able to get $150 a week, and let's say it's unshaded. Some of the banks are a bit different. Some banks will shade your border income by 50%. Some will let you have up to $150 a week, but no more than that. There are different rules. But let's say you get $150 a week in the bank's calculations. That is an extra 213 k that you are able to borrow for investment properties. And that's because $150 a week that's over $600 a month towards UMI, uncommitted monthly income. Now, that has a bigger impact than earning an extra 10K from your day-to-day job. Now, you might, oh, Ed, I don't want boarders to come live with me in my house. Well, let's say that some of you might have adult children currently living with you, and let's pretend that they're not currently paying any board. Well, if you're struggling to get servicing, you could start charging them board in order to be able to get this property across the line. Now, you might still pay for things like their food or whatever it happens to be, but having that income come in, that's going to be able to help you get that servicing over the line. Tactic number seven. Yeah, actually, just before we jump on to tactic number seven, I have some investors that I work with who are very generous to their two daughters who live at home or have been living at home rent-free. And we were just recently updating their portfolio and they were adding another couple of properties in in Auckland. It worked out to be $150 contribution to own these two properties in Auckland, going up at 6%, which was great. But they probably, you know, they didn't really want to adjust their lifestyle by $150 a week. So I said, go and charge both of those daughters $75 and that's exactly what they did so now their daughters are paying for their two new investment properties in Auckland which is great technique number seven 
invest with someone else. So this is something that I did as part of my expansion of my portfolio. I had a couple of business partners and we invested heavily in properties around Christchurch post-earthquake. And usually you do this when one person has an advantage and the other person has a different advantage. So in our case, two of us had good income, one of them had a good equity. And so we blended our situation together from the bank's perspective. It can be a little bit tricky here, especially with responsible lending. So this was before a lot of this was in place. And so you could kind of get away with a bit more. Nowadays, you get away with less. So just bear that in mind. One thing you could do is potentially you could borrow money off someone else and then pay them back a percentage of the sale once you sell the property. So for example, say you got 50k and you need another 50k cash to be able to bring your servicing down. I might talk to Ed and say, look, if you get 50k out of your mortgage, I can't afford to pay the repayments because it affects my servicing. But what I can do is when I sell that property, I'll give you 10% of the profit. Then Ed might say, yeah, great. I'm happy to give you that 50k. Tactic number eight, this is an interesting one, potentially change your strategy. And I'm thinking specifically about investing through syndicated commercial now. So let's say you've got a bit of money or you've got equity available and you're not able to service the mortgage yourself or you're not able to purchase the next investment property. If you were to put that into a fund, then the fund will take on leverage themselves and will then go and purchase commercial properties. Now, that may only be at a 50% LVR. So you put in 50K and they'll then borrow an extra 50K to go purchase that property. But that is a way to get a little bit more leverage without being able to purchase yourself in terms of being able to go and take on that extra debt. And you probably wouldn't be able to go purchase that commercial property on your own. So potentially changing your strategy, if you're really tapped down and saying, you know what, I'm going to invest in commercial property through a syndicate, which we talked about not too long ago on the show, that's another way to get around that, add that leverage in without taking on the debt directly. And tactic number nine, so you could just wait or put your rent up. So just remember, you don't build a portfolio of properties in a day. It does take time. And often, you know, if you just give a bit of time, then obviously your equity goes up, but also normally your rents do. And if you continue to keep on top of rental increases, it makes it a lot easier. So for example, I'm just going through some of my properties and updating the rents, increasing them to be more in line with the market. And some of them are 10% increases from what they were previously because I've been a little bit slack on increasing them. But you know, if you've got existing properties and we'll assume a 4.8% increase in rent every year, again, might not be straight line, but if like me, after a couple of years, you increase it by 10%, well, at year one, that's an additional borrowing of $25,500. At year two, it's 52. At year three, it's 80. At year four, it's 110. And at year five, it's 140. So potentially, it might just be worth planning out your purchases over a period of time and not feeling frustrated just because you can't do it all at once. It is amazing that small increases to the rent you're charging your tenant have a big impact on your ability to borrow for other investment properties because they're able to cover themselves a little bit more. They're taking up less of your UMI and so you're able to direct that to your newer purchases, which is really interesting. Now look, with these lists that we go through in terms of these different tactics you can use, I get that not all of these are going to apply to everybody. And in fact, some of those ones at the start, buying a little bit cheaper, getting a bit higher yield, you might have to use some of these tactics together. But the key thing while you're listening to this is to say, well, which one of these can I 
I use? If I really am stuck with servicing, can you buy a high-yielding property? Could you ask for that pay rise? Are your teenagers paying board? You know, could you put the rent up a little bit on an existing rental property? Because this could be the difference between buying another house tomorrow and buying another house in two or three years time potentially and I always think it's important to say well which of these could I do maybe there are a couple that just I could get across the line and give it a go because that might be able to help you get into it hey look let's wrap it up there but please don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the podcast it really does help us get the message out to more people and hey if you want to learn more about property check out the Opus YouTube channel. I'm going to drop a link to that in the show notes, so tap or swipe over the cover art, or just Google Opus Partners YouTube. You'll be able to find us there. We release a brand new video every single Wednesday at 10 a.m., and there's dozens of property investment-related videos there right now for you to go check out. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the property market. Until next time.